0: Alright, you guys turn to Romans for me. We're going to be in Romans uh, 6 and 8 today. If you grew up like I did, you had to learn and memorize the Romans road. Thank you, Awanas, but it paid off. I don't remember all of it anymore, but you know, hey, I, I did memorize the Romans road and um, it's a highly effective tool when we witness to people. Um, Paul really talks about um, sin, but he also talks about The effect of sin but he also talks about the grace of the lord and the grace of god what jesus christ did on the cross so i was contemplating thinking i don't know whatever you want to call it for whoever you want to say it but god was i was talking to god and, and i'm like okay god we we've come into a new era of teaching and and those have been in the church for more than you know 20 years 30 40 years ago everything was we would sing songs and sing hymns about amazing grace and the, what God has done for us. But then, when we we're done singing about amazing grace, we would get up and we would be taught on how bad of a sinner we were and how much we needed to repent from that. And I remember growing up in there, we went to a very conservative Baptist church until I was about seven. But I remember sleeping under the pews on Sunday night service, you know, bored out of my mind, and, you know, because we, we went to Sunday morning, and then we went out to dinner, and then we went home and took a nap. And then we went back to sunday night service and i remember being a seven-year-old kid six seven-year-old kid and just bored so i'd bring little hot wheels and i'm playing under the pews back and forth but i remember uh, it stuck with me because I, I believe god was preparing me for to do what i what he's called me to do and i remember hearing how god is you know we, we sing amazing grace and 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 you know how precious is the flow that washed our sins made him white as snow and, and then they would get up and talk about how bad of a sinner we were and i'm thinking to myself you know, at seven I wasn't thinking to myself, I was playing with Hot Wheels, but you know, now, you know, as an adult I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, we, we, yes, we are all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but what, what really stuck out to me is that mindset, why, why, do we, why do we talk about the grace of God and sing about the grace of God, but then when we come to talk about God, we talk about our old fallen nature as believers, and that is, that is what it is, it's old and fallen and as humans, we've all fallen short. But what happens is the grace of God comes in and lifts us up and brings us into the, the right standing with God and makes us presentable to the Father and says, Hey, look at this. Jesus' blood comes in, washes over us, and Jesus lifts up us and goes, Hey, these are my friends. These are my brothers and sisters. And they are now covered by my blood. And the Father goes, Oh, okay. Now they have forgiveness. And now I see them as pure and clean. But I was thinking about it in the weight of sin into the measure of grace. And I was I was really thinking about this. The weight of sin is so heavy on us as sinners and before we we're born again that we don't even realize it. it. It blinds us to what and who we are until the light of salvation shines on us, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, what what have what have I done?" I gotta stop right there. Um, God just wanted me to say, um, "Someone with kidney, liver, or bladder issues." I don't know. It just I felt like that was in. So I don't know if you know somebody. Okay, all right, there we go. Um, yes, and um, just whoever it is, get on the phone with them this afternoon and pray with them. Um, but the weight of sin and how heavy it is that it drags us to hell because we've chosen that as, as fallen people. But the, the grace of God and, and the, the blood of Jesus that covers us is a measure. And here's the cool thing. All of hell and all of sin weighed upon on on top of us does not compare to a drop of the blood of Jesus to cover us, to lift us up, to make us right with God. And I'm you know, I hate, I hate sin. We all have sin in our life. We all fall short of the glory of God. And every day we have to look at ourselves and go, okay, God, what what do you want me to change? What did did I do wrong? Sometimes we don't, hi, Isaac, how are you? (laughs) And, And sometimes we don't even realize that we've sinned. And, and so on a daily basis, we have to examine ourselves and say, God, okay, where did, I, where did I miss it? Where did I fall short? What have I done that maybe I didn't even realize that I did? Have you ever had that moment where you just went on with your life and then someone comes and says, you did this to me, and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize. I'm so sorry. So a- as humans, we have uh, a nature that is sinful, but what happens is when the... the The blood of Jesus and and salvation comes into us. We're dead to sin. doesn't mean that we don't sometimes go back to our old fallen nature. We pick it up and put it back on sometimes. Sometimes you're like, Jesus, stay out in the car with me out here. I'm going to go in and deal with this situation. When I get back, we'll talk about it because I don't want you coming in with me. But the weight of sin compared to the measure of grace that is given to us it, it, there's no standing, there's no weights and measures of that. We, you know, we, we look at sin, without the blood of Jesus, it weighs down. But you put one drop of the blood of Jesus into all the sin in the world, and it overcomes everything. Good, and so what happens is, is we spend our time as, as people, sometimes we focus on sin. Romans 6, 5 through 6 says, For if we had been united with him in death, like his, we certainly also are united with him in his resurrection. So it says if we're united with Him in our death, in His death, that means as believers that we died with Him, says that we were united with Him in His resurrection. How amazing is that? It's not just like, oh, okay, now you're clean. I just wave a magic wand over you. He literally saying that we, are, uh, have we died with Christ and we were resurrected with Him to be blameless and holy. Verse 6. For we now know that our old selves were crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Come on, that is awesome right there. Anyone who has died has been free from sin. It just it, it blows my mind to think of the, the amount of sin compared to the amount of love and mercy and grace that, that the Lord bestowed upon us through Jesus Christ There is no balance. But we try to we try to keep sin and right living in the same category, but there is no, we try to balance them out. Well, you know, if you you sin, you got to do this. You you know what? It says we're dead to sin. It says we're dead to sin and alive in Christ. We resurrected a new person. Then verse 11 says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself as an instrument to righteousness. What's the first thing that comes to mind when someone says instrument? Music. Music. First thing that comes to mind when I hear instrument is doctor's tools. When you... Think of instrument, we think of guitar, piano. I think of instrument, I'm thinking, what does it say? We're instruments of righteousness. So I think of an instrument, I think of God when He is working in our lives. The instrument of righteousness that the righteousness that is going through, it's not just a guitar playing, it's a scalpel, it's, it's something that's cutting away sin, it's cutting away things that bring us into. Righteousness. So it cr- creates us as an instrument of righteousness. Wayne. The margin in my Bible states that as weapons. Yes. So instruments of weapons. Yes. Exactly what you're saying. Sharp in way? So instruments of righteousness. We're 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 not just this this strumming on the guitar. We're we're things that were created to bring righteousness, to... Inject righteousness into the culture. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. Are we always perfect? Never. But what happens is, is, God said you're an instrument of righteousness, so I'm going to bring you into an area, like a syringe, and inject righteousness into that area, whether they realize it or not, you're going to be something that is Bringing righteousness into that area of influence that you have, whether it's your work, it's your home, whatever it is. God's saying, you know what? You're going to be created for warfare. But it says we died with Christ and resurrected with Him. But it says, I want to go back to 13, it says... Excuse me, 12 says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. And 13 says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. What does sin do? It destroys. Sin doesn't come in and and, um, just make your life better and keep your life better. It comes in and makes you look and feel like your life is better. And then in the end, it revolves in what? Death. It says, do not let it offer any part of your body. And I was, I was thinking about this. And when we look at sin, we have to look at something, sin as foreign. You know, we're, going, we're talking about instruments. Certain doctors use instruments to, to work on patients. Sin is something foreign. If we've been dead to sin and alive to Christ, that means sin is something that is not part of who we are. It's not part of of who God designed us to be as supernatural beings. So, if we're dead to sin, sin looks like this. And God gave me this analogy. Sin looks for life that it may draw out of its host. Sin is death. It It looks for a host that it can draw the life out of. It takes the life out of. And God gave me this analogy as a lamprey. You see these lampreys and they're floating through the water and then they find a host, whether it's a shark or some kind of fish, and they attach themselves to it. And what happens is they draw the life out of their host. Their teeth bore into the side of this fish and they start to suck the life-giving fluids and blood out of this fish so that eventually, once that fish starts to die, the lamprey lets go. fish eventually dies and then it finds a new host. So sin is very much like that. It looks for something with life and it says, you know what, I'm going to attach to it. I'm going to draw everything I can get out of it. And when it's, when I've gotten everything I've got out of it, I'm going to leave it alongside the road or at the bottom of the ocean to die because I've gotten what I need out of it. Sin is no part of who we are. When we get up every morning, do we put on a shirt and it's called righteousness? No, we we get up every morning and we are righteous because of what Jesus has done. It's not something we put on, it's something who we are. Sin and death no longer define us, but grace does. God's favor has been given freely through his son Jesus who liberates us from sin's power. You know, we talk about the cross and we, we talk about how awesome the cross is, but really the best part of the cross was the blood of Jesus that was being shed upon that cross. Because that blood was an atonement for our sin. That blood covered us. And I, I really thought back, you know, as young, a younger kid listening to this, and we talked so much about sin and how... We were just filthy wretches. And, and, and we, we, some of the songs we sang were like, I feel really just encouraged after I sing this song, you know. And it's, and I'm being sarcastic, sorry. Um, <laughs> but some of these songs that I remember singing as a kid, and I'm just like, man, I, I really feel like God loves me after this. And it's like, why, why, do we, why do we bring sin up so much when we talk about ourselves if we were crucified with Christ, buried with him, and resurrected with him into new beings? Why, why do we talk about... Um, you know, I, I was, Every now and then I'll, I'll be on uh, social media and I'll find some weird post and, and it'll just be completely contrary to what God says about it and I'll send it to Jordan just for a laugh. I'm like, hey, look at this one and, and we'll get a, a good laugh out of it. But there's one that this guy uh, wrote down and he says there are no men of God, there's no good men, there's just filthy, despicable wretches that have the grace of God. And I'm thinking to myself, about that much is true. There's men who have the grace of God, but you know what? We're not looking at the old man, we're looking at the new man. Yeah. Why do we look at the old man and say, oh, a despicable, horrible wretch who, who can't, um, who has no worth. I'm sorry, but Jesus saw worth in people who weren't born again. Yes, they needed the grace of God, but Jesus saw worth in them. He didn't call them despicable wretches. So if Jesus didn't call that, why have we as Christians started to pick up that conversation of, oh, we're despicable wretches that who are just, uh, no, we're not. As, as people, God does not see us as despicable wretches. He doesn't see people who do not believe in him as despicable wretches. He sees them as his lost children that he is trying to draw back in. But man has created this, this idea of, if you're not born again, you're just this piece of junk. And even when you are born again, you're just, uh, you're worthless. And God doesn't see us that way. He sees every one of us as a valuable treasure that he is just mining to find. What, what, is, what do uh, miners use? Old miners, and you know, you look at the gold rush. They used picks, dynamite, and shovels. God created man to start to mine out the gold in people. He said, you know what, we're going to dominate this world because... Th- this world was given to satan he says you know what i'm going to create people who are in my likeness and we're going to get rid of the evil that is on this earth so when you think of of miners they they use picks and shovels what are they doing they're looking for something precious in a bunch of rubble and garbage they're looking for just a a handful of something but that's the way God is. God doesn't, Jesus didn't go to the, the woman with the issue of blood and go, oh, you filthy, despicable wretch, you are worthless. He said, no. He said, daughter, be healed. He said, your faith has made you well. He didn't say to the blind guy, well, you, your sin has caused you to be this way and you know that's, that's the problem root causes with your parents and their sin and that's why you did that. He said, "No, no, he didn't do that. He didn't condemn them and call them something that they weren't. He called them what they were. Jesus made the guy new eyes. The lepers. He didn't say, well, your sin has made you this way and you're a deplorable uh, wretch and you need this. He said, no. He goes, sin brought this, but I'm here to release sin from you. So why has man created something that causes filthy wretches when Jesus doesn't call us that? We may act that way sometimes, but God sees us for who he created us to be, even if sin is in our life. And it, and it blows my mind on a daily basis how we can talk about the grace of God, talk about what he's done, the finished work of Jesus Christ in our lives, but then still say, well, we're, we're worthless, we're worms, we're, we're, we're lower than dirt, and, and you know, only by the grace of God are we anything. No, we're not. God created us in His image. We are image bearers of of God. Whether we are born again or not, we are created in His image. So that does not make us worthless, filthy wretches. That makes us people who are created in the image of God who've lost track and lost sight of their father. And God said, you know what? You've lost sight of me. You've lost track of what I'm doing. You've turned and rebelled against me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son because sin is being allowed to overrun this world. And as a blood offering sacrifice, you don't just give whatever. You give what is pure, what is holy, and what is first. And so he sends his son to die, and then Paul says, Hey, count yourselves dead to sin count yourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What's happened is, is as modern Christians, we've picked up the law and said, well, you, you did this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, and you broke them all, so now we, we've, we've categorized ourselves as, in the same category as the enemy well you're just worthless and you don't have any you don't have any purpose and you know god's just angry because of, of who you are and the way you act and and I've, I've talked to so many people that they've had people say well you know god hates you for the way you act and i was like hmm it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense when someone says well i'm a, I'm a deplorable wretch and it's only by the grace of god Am I perfect? No. Am I a sinner? Absolutely. If I didn't have Jesus, I'd be pretty scummy. I'm just saying. Ask my wife. I'm hard to deal with sometimes. Um, Yes. Apparently I need to smile more. I've heard smiling is overrated, though. Um, Romans 8. So, we're dead to sin... We're not a deplorable wretch. We're not worthless. We're not, you know, uh, worthless in God's eyes. But Romans 8, 1 says, in, this, in the heading over this says, Life in the Spirit. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who, li- who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do obvious there you set your things on set your mind and your vision on things of the flesh you're going to start doing you're going to start living that flesh to nature but when you start to set your eyes and your your thought pattern on the things of the spirit you're going to start living out the things of god you're going to start living out the things of the spirit so he says there's no condemnation in christ jesus there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but we've got a a culture of sin this, sin that, sin that. And, and I'm I'm sorry, but it, it, Paul clearly writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, hey, there's no condemnation. But we take condemnation and we put it back upon ourselves. And we put it, we take the church takes it and puts it back upon believers, and we put it on non-believers and say, well, you know, you just You just got to come to Jesus, then you'll be okay. Once you're you're saved, you'll be okay. But it it really isn't true because they're still going to put that same condemnation back on them when they're a believer, but you got to come to Jesus and then you'll be okay. This is not everybody gets to heaven club. We're not just here to get people to heaven. We're here to bring heaven to earth so that when we all go, we do go to heaven but what happens is is we, we, spend so much, we spend so much time trying to draw people into church. Oh, you're just, you know, sin, 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 come into church, and then it's condemnation, condemnation, condemnation for what you did in the past. When we focus on sin, sin becomes the main subject of the church. The main subject of the church should be Jesus Christ and His glory and what His kingdom is doing. When we focus on sin, we discount what Jesus did on the cross. We discount what His blood does in our lives and we discount what His blood does for a person coming into His kingdom. We discount grace, we discount everything. We, if we discount what Jesus did, we're, we're basically saying to God, I don't care that you sent your son, I don't care that he died on the cross, because I'm going to call myself whatever I want to call myself. But it, it says, in, in uh, Romans 6, it says, in verse 7, it says, we've been set free from sin. It says sin is no longer our master. Paul call, calls us uh, slaves to Righteousness. That may, but here's the thing. We're slaves to righteousness, but what we don't we think of slavery as in 1800 slavery. What Paul is talking about, someone who freely gives themselves up to righteousness, says, "You know what? Righteousness be my master." You know, the slave back then sometimes wasn't a slave. It was a servant a lot of times who basically subjected themselves to a master and said, I can't do this on my own. I can't be my own master and raise my own house. I need some, I don't have my own business. I need to subject myself to you. You will take care of me as I work for you. So when Paul says we're slaves to righteousness, he's saying, submit yourself to righteousness. Let it be your master so that it it rules over you so sin doesn't. This is not in my notes, I'm just saying right now. So, um, so why are we why are we lifting up the master of sin and putting that condemnation back on, on people when God says your, your master is righteousness because you're alive in Christ and dead to sin. But why are why are we why are we letting sin be our master? Why are we letting sin be the one who who um, calls us who we are. There's a little book, and it's about yay big, and it's about, eh, thick, and it's called In Him. I had that? Oh, I don't have it anymore. Somebody stole it from me. Um, I, well, no, I shouldn't say it. I lent it to them, and they never returned it to me. So they've, they've continued to borrow it for like the last six years. So, um but there's a, it's a little book called in him and it describes who we are and what we are in Christ Jesus free from sin free from death so here's the thing if we're filthy wretches and we're deplorable and we're nothing and then the you know i'm not discounting the grace of god by any means the grace of God and the mercy of God in our lives is unfathomable. It's on, un, you can't count it. You, you could never, it's more vast than the stars in the sky. We cannot even comprehend what it is. But if we consider and start to talk about being filthy wretches and we're just worms. And, and I've, I've sung hymns that are just like, this is the most depressing thing I've ever hurt in my life, why would I even want to come to church for this? And then Romans 8, 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you and then he goes on he goes this says, we're heirs with christ Verses, tw- uh, excuse me eight, twelve. so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for you live according to flesh you will die but if you live by the spirit and put to death the deeds of the body you will live for all who are led by the spirit of god are sons of god for you do For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as the sons who cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and the children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provide we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That's a mouthful right there. That's a lot to take in. Those few verses right there are, are huge. But I, I like this. He says, For those who are led by the, spirits of God, the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. What that old mindset does is it brings us back into the spirit of slavery. Uh, that we're not good enough. But God calls us righteous. So if he calls us righteous and we sit there, Oh, I'm a filthy wretch, and it's only by the grace of God. Then, then we might as well take that verse out of the Bible. Because... If we're sons of God, that means we're co-heirs with Christ. But if we're filthy wretches, that takes us back out into slavery and doesn't make us co-heirs with Christ. So why do we have this book in the Bible, but continue to talk about the the worthless people that we can be? I'm not saying we do, but I'm just saying that mindset that, that just angers me because you know what? God sees gold in everybody. He sees something valuable in everybody, but church has taken and said, well, you know, you have something valuable, but, you know, it's not worth enough. It's like a speck of gold in a dump. And eventually, you know, you'll get to heaven and it'll be good, but, you know, right now you're just, you're not really worth a whole lot. But it says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. What that does is that brings us into slavery. It brings us into the fear that, you know what, I hope I'm good enough. I hope I'm good enough. You ever met anybody that they've been in church their entire life, they've gone up a hundred times and prayed the prayer, but they're still afraid that they're going to fall out of the hand of God at that end, that end time when God comes to call us home and like, oh, I just, I just hope, that, I hope that I'm good enough. I hope that's that filthy, wretch mindset. I hope I did good enough. It creates a works mentality that does nothing to please God. What does it say? How how do we please God? Faith. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. And you know what? If we fall back into a slavery mindset, it's like, oh, I I just hope, you know, I hope I'm doing enough, and I hope I'm, I'm, I'm living a righteous life. And it's not about hoping that you you, oh, I just hope it's okay, and I hope, God, you're, you're okay with me. We've all fallen into that. I'm, I'm going to raise my hand, too. We've all fallen into that mindset of, oh, God, I hope you're happy with me. He's happy with you. He calls you his sons and daughters. So we've got to quit bringing ourselves back into the bondage of the slavery and the law of 500, 600 laws that if we didn't do this, if you, if you leaned on the temple pillar the wrong way, you were put to death. I'm just making these up as I go on these. But I'm just saying is man created so many laws that we, 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 we bring ourselves into condemnation. But it says you're dead to sin and alive to Christ. He says in verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of slavery because in verse 14, you were led by the spirit of God. You are sons and daughters of God. God does not come into the house, come into the, knock, knock on your room and go, hey, you're my son, I love you and everything, but you're a filthy wretch. <laughs> Think about it. Would you go to and tell that to your child? Would you, would you lean over your child's crib and go, oh, you're just a filthy little wretch and you're just worthless, and God, but the grace of God loves you? No, you're not going to. So why do we as Christians continue to tell, to tell people that and to, to, to live in that mindset? We would not tell that to our children. Our Father in Heaven does not tell that to us. Yeah. When your child is in, when they're young, you speak things over their life. You're going to be this, and you're going to be this, and you, you, you encourage your child. So, and when your child grows up and starts to get older, you, you discipline your child. But you don't discipline your child and lean in the door and said. You did this at school, That you're a filthy wretch and I can't stand you anymore and slam the door. You discipline your child in love because you love them and you want them to be walking the right way. It's the same way with the Father. He, he speaks over us and He calls us things that even though that we're not right now, He calls us that we may be. And He speaks over our lives and He, he calls us what he, he sees in us. But why do, we t- why do we look at people and call what we, we see in them? Why do we look for the sin? We look for sin instead of the righteousness of God in them. God says, you know what, I call you righteous and set free, but we're like, well, you know, I don't know if I am or not. Hopefully I'm righteous and set free. Why do we, why do we bring ourselves into that, but why do we also look for sin? When we look for sin, it draws, uh, uh, the, it draws the focus to sin instead of to Christ. When we focus on sin as believers, we look for sin around us. We look for sin. Jesus didn't go look for sin. Do you, you, you ever see Jesus go out and just look for believers and say, blah, 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 blah. He's got a woman at the well. She's got four husbands living with a dude. He's got the, um, all these other... Mary Magdalene wasn't exactly you know, your, uh, your um, most highly virtuous woman you could ever say. But he didn't call out their sin like that. He loved them, and he worked with them during that. Do you think Mary Magdalene understood her sin? Absolutely. I don't think anybody who lives in sin doesn't understand that that something's not right. But Jesus didn't say, oh, you're you're, you're kind of a prostitute, and you're dirty, and you're gross. You, You Change your life and come to me. He spent time with Mary Magdalene. Look at Zacchaeus. A little midget dude he's stealing from people he's in a tree and he's like hey you come down i'm going to have lunch with you i'm going to have dinner with you i'm going to go to your house we're going to sit down and do you not think that during that time jesus confronted what was going on but he didn't sit there and go zacchaeus you're scummy you're worthless we're going to go have dinner in your house and we're going to work this out with fear and trembling No, he called them into friendship with him first so then he could work on their sin later. That's right. So, we have to look at at sin and say, okay, sin is sin and we are alive to Christ and dead to sin. If we, focus on sin, if we focus on sin as a body of believers, we're going to look for sin in people's lives. We're going to look for the issues in people's lives and say, I can't believe they did that. And I can't believe they said that. And I'm offended at that. Get over it. We're going to look for sin around us if we're focused on sin and that we are not worthy of the love of Jesus Christ and the love of the Father. People have sin. We all have sin. But there's a difference it doesn't define us sin does not define us because we are dead to sin and alive to christ sin is not our master righteousness is our master we willingly submit to righteousness and cast off the shackles of sin and say you will not be my master i will not submit to you and it is all about all about that sin is submitting to sin or submitting to righteousness and we can sit there and go, Well, you know, I just don't know if God loves me, and I just don't know if I've done enough this week, and I don't know if I've prayed, and, you know, I forgot to pray at my meal at lunch, and I really feel really bad, and God's like, Quit worrying about it. I used to mess with uh, some of our younger people in this area, in this church, and every now and then I would not pray right before we started servicing, and they'd be like, Oh, no, oh, no, what you, you can't do this. And, we can't worry about that. We can't worry about, it. We, we have these weird orders and rules that we like, man, well, I've got to do it this way. We've got we to gotta take offering and we've got to do announcements first. And, and what, if we, what if we do worship later and, 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 ser- and then the message first? And it, it, God doesn't have a rules and regulations on how we should do things. He's just saying, hey, I want you to love me. I want you to submit your life to me. He's saying, make me your father. Submit to righteousness. Submit yourself to it. But don't submit yourself to sin. We have a choice. When we sin, we're like, yeah, I don't know if I should do this, but I'm really angry right now. I really just want to get back at that person. And then we submit ourselves back to sin. We say, hey, you can be my master just for a couple minutes and I'm going to feel really bad about it. And then I'm going to say, you know, get away from me. I'm going to go back into righteousness and say, righteousness, I really need you right now because I just sinned. I walked away from you. But that, that's what it is, is when we have the opportunity to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we basically say, you know what, sin, you have no power over me. You, you walk into a new light and you see the, the, the redemption that, that, that is available for you and you walk in and you're like, man, this is freedom. Sometimes we don't even know what freedom is like because we've lived in, the, in, in, a, in both worlds, we're, we're straddling both ways and we're going, you know what? i love jesus and he loves me but man sin, you know i'm so, so worried about sin and i'm so worried about this is jesus going to love me if i do this and god's just like you know worrying about sin make righteousness your master submit to it and you won't have to worry about it but it, we we want to we want to either spend this much on this line and we go around this line we're like okay righteousness i like you this time but when i get here i want to i want to submit to this master what did jesus say no man can serve two <laughs> masters Romans 8, verse 8 says, Those who live in the realm of the flesh cannot please God because faith is not in the flesh. Faith is in the Spirit. Faith comes by hearing. So as we go out, we have to change the way we think about ourselves. We have to change the way we think about people. When Jesus said to His disciples, they're like, oh, hey, you know, this dude like he really made me angry and how many times do i forgive him when he makes me angry or does this against me and jesus is like 70 times seven but he's basically telling him keep forgiving because if you can continue to forgive 70 times seven you really need to find new people around you he's just you know i'm sorry but if you somebody keeps doing that after that many times you need to find a new new group of friends i'm just saying or a new group of people to be around But Jesus is saying, keep forgiving, because by the time that actually happens, you're probably going to be dead. Forgiveness is not something that is momentary. It's eternal. So if our forgiveness in Christ was momentary, wouldn't we have to continually renew that? It's not, though. Our forgiveness is something that is solidified in in all time because of Christ Jesus. And God says, oh, by the way, whether you've repented from it or not, whether you realize your sin or not, it's forgiven. Because your, your forgiveness is not something you go back to God and say, hey, I need to check out forgiveness for another week. Or I'm going to really go lay into this person, so I'm going to need to check this out tomorrow. Or I'm going to come back in for this. It's not, it doesn't work that way. Our forgiveness is something that from the moment we are born again, God says, hey, your sins are forgiven doesn't mean your sin's up to October 8th, 2017. It says every one of your sins. So why do we focus on sin when sin is dead to us and we're dead to sin? Why do we focus on the issues of people when we should be focusing on what God has called them? It's so hard to look at what God calls people when you don't even believe it in your own life. If you don't believe that God calls you set apart, holy, righteous, you're not going to find it in other people. You're going to be highly disappointed. You're going to be angry. You're going to be offended. Like, oh, well, they just did this and they did that. And you know what? Sin is sin. Let's let it lie. Let's talk about the righteousness of Christ. Let's talk about what He has done for us and how He makes us righteous In God's eyes. Romans 8.1 Therefore let let there be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't live in condemnation. Quit condemning yourself for things you've done and don't look for other people's sin to condemn them. Sin is a foreign object that we can expel. It says we're instruments. What do instruments of righteousness do? They cut out sin. They look for sin in our own lives and we cut it out and say, you know what? I'm going to get rid of this because I'm going to live in righteousness, thinking about righteousness, thinking about what God calls me, and I'm going to look for that in other people. Let's pray.